Welcome to Race and Coronavirus, a new podcast and newsletter by two veteran journalists. I'm Levy Sumagaisa. And I'm Patty Nervalta. We're two longtime Bay Area journalists who have covered everything from tech news and business to fashion, luxury living, race and demographics, and politics. And we've decided to turn our attention to how COVID-19 and the crisis are affecting minority and immigrant populations. Yeah, Levy, I have to say, when you called me with this idea of a podcast, it couldn't have come at a better time. I was just furloughed because of COVID-19. And you and I have worked together for, we, we met more than two decades ago at a local newspaper. And we've worked together at several places since the Alameda Newspaper Group. You went on to San Jose Mercury News and I went on to the Chronicle, but I think we've shared this sensibility of integrating what is often considered marginalized populations and issues into the mainstream. And I think with race and the coronavirus, it is the perfect intersection for you and I to cover these types of issues. So I was really happy when you called me with this idea. How did you come up with it? Well, I have been covering tech and business news for a long time, and I was recently laid off by a tech news site startup because of coronavirus. And when that happened, I knew immediately that the next thing I wanted to do had to mean a lot to me. I'm a minority. I'm a naturalized citizen. And how this crisis is affecting minorities and immigrants is really important to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think, well, both of us have worked on stories and issues in our in our different careers that I believe have led to some great positive changes. I know for me, it was the foster care series with the San Francisco Chronicle. And luckily at that time, this is when newsrooms were fully staffed. You know, we had all the resources we needed to really dig deep and do these stories. And I was given the luxury of spending one whole year on any issue of my choice. And I chose foster care reform just because initial research showed that there was a deeply flawed system in in the state that needed a rehaul, basically. And so for one year, I followed one foster care, a young woman at the time who was about to emancipate in one year. But I also got to interview the courts, interview foster parents, interview legislators. And after a year of calling for very specific legislative changes, Governor Schwarzenegger at the time ended up signing every piece of legislation that I was pushing for into law. And that for me was an eye-opener in terms of our responsibility as storytellers and journalists. And, you know, we really have this great opportunity and, and really a moral responsibility to shed light on these stories that many people don't know about, but are in a position to make changes for. And I know for you, you in your different um, focus areas, you've also come across those types of stories. That's right. Yeah. It must be so great to know that that year that you spent led to such lasting change. And that's, like you said, it's the power of storytelling. For me, the stories and other pieces of writing that stand out in my mind include, first of all, I have covered the gig economy a lot as part of my beat in tech and business news. You know, I've interviewed Uber and Lyft drivers, Instacart delivery workers, Postmates delivery workers, and have really followed their struggles 
as they have tried to fight for higher pay and benefits. They're considered contract workers, and there's legislation in California that is supposed to make it easier for them to secure those benefits and that higher pay, but they, they're still fighting to this day. And so when I cover those issues, when I interview those workers, they're really thankful when journalists report on their plight. Another thing that really stands out to me is I once wrote an op-ed about how the United States gave World War II veterans from the Philippines congressional medals. This was a couple of years ago, and it came a little bit too late for my own grandfather, who was a World War II veteran. He had died the previous year. And I just remember writing that op-ed and getting so many emails and phone calls from readers who had read my work in the Mercury News for years because I was covering tech and business. But because I wrote that op-ed, they found out that I am a Filipino American. And it was something that some of them took pride in. Some of them said they were glad that there was someone like me on staff who they felt understood them. And then lastly, I covered immigrant business owners as well. And when I think about immigrant business owners now and how they might be struggling and how they're trying to get PPP, the small business loans, because of this crisis, I just think about those immigrants now and I want to cover their stories. I want to follow up with them and I want to talk to policymakers who might be able to help them out. Yeah, I just, I want to reinforce what you said about readers being so happy when they see someone who represents them and their communities in who are working not for a quote-unquote ethnic media but mainstream media and I have to say when I was at the Chronicle I got a lot of those letters uh, from readers saying how happy and how proud they were that there was someone on the editorial board representing them and as the editor-in-chief of San Francisco magazine one of the first issues I put out was of a native San Francisco but Filipino-American who had been incarcerated and turned his life around and formed this organization that is now credited for reducing the homicide rates in San Francisco. And I don't know that that would have been on the cover had it been any other editor. And I think there is such um, importance in having representation and diversity in these positions in the media, which I think excites me the most about you and I doing this project, because even though everyone is writing about COVID, not everyone is writing about the stories that you and I are talking about. So I think that's where you and I and and our love um, bringing these types of stories to the fore are going to come into play. And because as I mentioned before, I did have the luxury of working on a series for a year, but a lot of newspapers, if not all, none of the newspapers now have that luxury because the staffs have been cut, resources have been cut. And so this is a rare opportunity for us, you and I, to bring that back, the long form and the deeper stories and the follow-ups. Right. That is true. You know, this is one of the biggest stories of our lifetime. And yes, there is a lot of good journalism being done out there that explores how this crisis is affecting immigrants and minorities. But those stories are part of a larger story that those publications are telling. And so that's why I wanted to start Race and Coronavirus. I want it to be the story that we focus on. 
There are many aspects to it, you know, lots of different ways we can explore how minorities and immigrants might be affected by this crisis, including economically, culturally, politically, and how it might make a difference in education, all kinds of things that I'm really excited to explore. And just as an aside, when you were talking about diversity in newsrooms, you know, you and I worked together at two different newsrooms. And both times, we were either the only minorities in those newsrooms or two of a handful. So again, you know, like you said, it's really important to have diverse voices and diverse perspectives in a newsroom. And so this podcast newsletter will give us an opportunity to explore stories that some newsrooms might not be able to focus on right now. Journalists around the nation are already doing all kinds of stories about this issue. And I do want to discuss those, you know, because there's a lot of good journalism being done. The other thing is I want us to to do our own stories and talk to people ourselves and just bring diverse perspectives in. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. I am too. I mean, it's ironic because before this project, before the pandemic, you know, I was um, the editor, I still am the editor of the magazine where it's focused on lifestyle. So I was covering a lot about these exciting new restaurants and cuisines and travel and everything. And one of the most exciting series of stories that I was working on were, were all these amazing Asian restaurants from Burmese to Filipino to upscale Chinese, Japanese. And it was just all the, this diversity of Asian cuisine. And now that story has turned because a lot of these restaurant owners are finding uh, they're being discriminated against and people don't want to come to their restaurants. They don't want to um, support them by even ordering takeout because of the backlash against the Asian community. So in a second, you know, it could turn from the celebration of our diverse flavors in the Bay Area to they have to fight to earn the trust back from the public. And so I think those types of stories are really important to, to share with readers and to disclose because it's not going to be the same, even through the stages of uh, the mandate lifting. This is going to be a transformative pandemic and we're going to see a different world and we have to identify those trends now. Right. Please sign up for our newsletter and listen to our future podcasts. Give us feedback, suggest topics and send us tips. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you will join us on this conversation about race and coronavirus.